Jesus, we thank you for your blessings and your goodness. We ask you, Lord, to bless this morning, bless this day. We ask you to bless the word of God to our hearts and lives. We thank you for all things and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand. Greet them in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, reach across the aisle a little bit. Shake hands with some of those you don't normally get to shake hands with. God bless you. We have been studying about, this is uh, the third lesson today, about Christ, the voice of God. Our first lesson had to do with how the Messiah would come, and that's where the Lord said, I'll send the prophet, the the prophet speaking of Christ, would be like uh, Moses, and you would receive him at his word. Uh, The children of Israel had said to God, don't speak to us in lightning and thundering and a loud voice, but uh, just speak to us uh, quietly through Moses. And he said, okay. So the Ten Commandments was given to the children of Israel uh, through Moses in that fashion. And he also said, because you have chosen to receive my word that way, when I send the Messiah, uh, I will speak through him, and he, you will receive my words through him, through his words, and so forth. So we talked about how that was established back there in the Old Testament, so that when Jesus would come as the Messiah, uh, we must believe what he had to say. We must believe on him, must believe his words. Uh, last week, we talked about the identity of Christ. Who was Jesus Christ? We talked about how he was God manifest in flesh, and he came as the mighty God uh, upon this earth. He said to David, a body that I has prepared for me. And so when Jesus came, he was both the son of God, but he was also God. So he was the son and the father. He's everything. And since God is a spirit, a spirit, not spirits, but God is a spirit, then the spirit of God was in Christ, and that would be the Holy Spirit. So that the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are all the same. So Jesus Christ on earth was everything in one, praise God. And so today I want to go into the subject here about uh, the kingdom of God on earth because whenever Jesus came, his ministry started out being the kingdom of God. And I want to talk to you, and this is going to be an ongoing series here that we're going to be looking at, and that is uh, the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to have you look with us, if you would, for just a moment, uh, if you look with us over in, uh, in Luke chapter, uh, let me find the right verse here, in Matthew rather, in Matthew chapter 4, chapter 3, and verses 1 and 2, and this is speaking of John the Baptist. It says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now this is a very interesting statement that John the Baptist made here. 
because he began to preach and right off the bat, he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the Jewish people knew that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God would come. Now the word kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are the same thing. If you read Matthew, it says kingdom of heaven. If you read Mark and Luke, they say kingdom of God, same thing. When they refer to the very same uh, expressions that Jesus made. And uh, so here in the third verse, third chapter of the first two verses here in Matthew uh, three, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now look in chapter four. You just turn over in your Bibles there to the next chapter and look at verse 12 and 17. And in verse 12, now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Notice that. Jesus never began his earthly ministry until John the Baptist was put in prison. He, he just let John the Baptist preach. Uh, he visited a few people. Uh, he, he visited, you know, Zacharias and different things like that. But Jesus never began his earthly ministry until John the Baptist was put in prison. And when John the Baptist was put in prison, this fourth chapter and 12th verse says, that And then down in verse 17, from that time, that is when John the Baptist was put in prison, this is verse 17 now, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus picked up where John had left off, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now I want to talk to you about what this kingdom of heaven was. I'm going to go into a little detail here. Uh, with you here this morning because the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, same thing, was first mentioned in the book of Daniel in chapter 2. And uh, I want you to go with me, if you would, back to Daniel. I'm going to give you a little foundation for all of this. And, uh, <clears throat> and, <it's clears throat> and to understand Daniel... Let me give you, let me sort of explain some uh, things here to you about Daniel. But uh, children of Israel had lived in, the, in Canaan's land from the time of Moses for about 800 years in the land of Canaan. And then things begin to happen. Things begin to go bad. Children of Israel begin to sin. And the Lord even told Solomon, he said, because of your wickedness and your sins, Whenever you die, I'm going to divide the kingdom. It's going to be divided. And sure enough, Israel was divided, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was called Judah. The northern kingdom was called Israel. Israel was invaded by the Assyrians, capital city of being Nineveh, and they conquered Israel, the northern kingdom, took the people and took them out and scattered them out among all the Gentiles. There are still Jews all over the world today that are, is from that captivity. Some of them were from Ethiopia, some of them were in Ethiopia, and many of them in, even as far as China. Uh, the southern kingdom continued to exist along. This, that's where Jerusalem was. And in, in that city of Jerusalem and in that kingdom of Judea, uh, Judah rather, uh, the Jewish people continued to be an independent power 
independent nation running their own affairs, uh, nobody over them controlling them or anything of that nature. Finally, the Lord said, all right, it's enough. You have sinned, you continue to sin, transgress. I have sent prophets warning you, you have not listened. So finally he says, I'm now going to send you into captivity. And what he did was to send a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. He came from Babylon about 700 miles over. And he invaded the land, conquered it, but did not destroy it. He conquered Israel, conquered Jerusalem. He took the king on the throne off and put his brother on the throne. He says, now you listen to what I say, you obey me, pay your taxes, everything will be fine, and you'll stay in power. At the same time, Nebuchadnezzar took with him 10,000 choice young people out of Israel, and he took them back to Babylon to be servants, to be workers, and to help him actually to govern his nation. Those were young people. They were like teenagers. Uh, in that group was, was uh, Daniel and what we call often the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they went with Daniel as well. The four of them were together. They were in the king's palace, and uh, these young men spent their life working with the king in that palace all the days of their lives. And uh, they never, never went back to Babylon, I went back to Jerusalem, never saw it again. Uh, when Daniel was, was put there, whenever he had first arrived, and it was the second year after Nebuchadnezzar had come into this power, that the Lord gave old Nebuchadnezzar a dream. And he dreamed and he saw this image. And the image was a terrible looking image. It had a head of gold. It had chest and arms of uh, silver, a belly and thighs of brass, and legs of iron. And then it had feet and toes of iron and clay. And it went on to say that the king was very distraught about it. What does this mean? I know it means something. And he called all the wise men together and said, tell me what this means. And they said, uh, they tell us the dream, we'll tell you what it means. He said, no, you tell me what I dreamed, I'll know you have the answer to the dream. They said, we can't do that, nobody can do that. He said, all right, for all you wise men, all you soothsayers, all of you, I'm going to have you all executed. And word got to Daniel. And since he was included with this group, Daniel, therefore, told the four, his three friends, let's pray and ask God to give us the answer to this thing. Otherwise, we're going to die with the rest of them. And so when Daniel was in prayer, God opened up the vision, showed him what Nebuchadnezzar had seen and then gave Daniel the interpretation of it. And when Daniel had it, he said, go tell King Nebuchadnezzar, I've got the answer for his dream. And he went before the king. Now, uh, <clears throat> I want you to look with me here in chapter 2 and verse 31. I'll get back to this kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God part during, <clears throat> during his interpretation here of this uh, dream that he had. Look at Daniel chapter 2 verse 31. He says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee. The form of it was terrible. The image was a, was a, a fine gold, his breast and his arms and, 
his head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms silver, and his belly was thighs of brass, which I've just mentioned to you, his legs of iron, his feet were part of iron and clay, and so forth. Verse 34, now this is interesting. Note this very closely here. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass, the silver and the gold broken to pieces together, together, all at the same time, and became like the shaft of the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them all away and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And then Daniel goes on to say in verse 36, this is the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Now, he begins to go into it. I'm going to save some time reading, but if you look at the very end of verse 38, the very end of verse 38, the very last sentence there, Daniel says to King Nebuchadnezzar, thou art the head of gold. In other words, your empire, you and your empire, you are the beginning of what this is all about. And he says, you're the head of gold. And then he says in verse 39, after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. In other words, that would be, a, that would be the third one. And then he goes on to say, verse four, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And he describes this condition and this situation. Now, let me just sort of fast forward here. Uh, you know, looking back in history, it's easy to figure out what it is. And I think every Bible scholar, all Bible scholars pretty much agree that this is how it lines up. But the Babylonians were conquered by the Medes and the Persians, which is the country of Iran today. And they were conquered by the Persians. Uh, then the Persians were conquered then by the Greeks. Uh, and then the Greek under Alexander the Great. And then the Grecian Empire broken up into four parts. And then it was conquered by the Roman Empire. So when you follow that down through there, you realize that the Roman Empire becomes the legs and then it goes on down until it follows on down to the very end of that legs, feet, and toes, and so forth. And then he says these words. Now go to verse 44 very quickly with me. Here's where I want to, this is the first place that the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is mentioned in the Bible that Jesus spoke about and that John the Baptist began to tell the people, it's here, it's, it's here now. So look at this verse. Verse 44, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. And that was the interpretation of the stone that was cut out without hands that smote the image on the feet at the end of that period of time. Smote it on the feet, and then the whole thing crumbled and was nothing left of it. Now, later, I'm saving time here and just interjecting some things without going to the scriptures on them, but uh, over in Luke chapter 21, uh, Luke talks about it in verse uh, 24. Luke 24, 
He calls this period of time the time of the Gentiles. From the time Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem until the end of time, what we call Armageddon. That is called the time of the Gentiles. Uh, it's also referred to by Paul. That's where Luke wrote it, but Jesus spoke of that in the 21st chapter of Luke. Uh, in the, in the uh, writings of Paul, in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans, the 25th verse, uh, Paul speaks about this time of the Gentiles and that this will all happen and it will be at the time of the Gentiles uh, until and, and finally it comes to its end. So we know that this period of time then is called the time of the Gentiles in which Gentile powers, one after the other, will rule the world, they'll have their dominion. And the reason that they are recognized by God from the time of Nebuchadnezzar on is because Palestine, the Jews, Jerusalem, so forth, would always be subject to Gentile powers. Now hear me closely on this today, folks. And that is that the Jews are still subject to Gentile powers. They are not independent of Gentile powers. If you, how many of you just heard not long ago that when Trump was, was, you know, was elected as president-elect of the United States, the first call he got was from Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of, of Israel, saying that he welcomed him and that he was glad and hoping that we could do business and blah, 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 blah. And that's what all these world leaders do in times like that. But I'm just saying he was the first one to do it because Benjamin Netanyahu realizes that he needs the support of America to survive. And in times before that, it was they needed the support of Israel. And before that, it was another Gentile power. They were always subject to another Gentile power. So I'm pointing out to you here is that in the middle of all of this, going back to the Roman Empire, however, is when the kingdom of God was set up. And this was in the days of Christ. In other words, during the Roman Empire and uh, whenever they were functioning and these kings were in their power and so forth, uh, Jesus sent the Messiah and he would set the kingdom of God up on this earth. So I'm going to read that verse again, 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And so when Jesus came, he came to speak about the kingdom. And when he started talking about the kingdom, every Jew knew he could go back in the Bible and start reading about this. And they knew that it was time now for the Lord to come and set up a kingdom on this earth. Uh, the problem was that they wanted the kingdom to be an outward appearance, physically powerful. They wanted to be a dominating empire type of a kingdom on this earth, not realizing the kind of kingdom that Jesus would set up on this earth and, uh, and, would, and that would be called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So when John the Baptist said, he, John the Baptist said, you know, heads up, the kingdom of heaven is near. And when Jesus came, he picked up the message and begin to talk about it and tell about it in his day. Now, uh, not going any further here in the book of Daniel with this, even though this is also recorded over here in the seventh chapter as well, where that in the seventh chapter, Daniel has a vision and the Lord shows him those four kingdoms all over again. And then he talks about the kingdom of God. Right, let me just read this to you. I'll read the seventh chapter 
and the 17th verse, <clears throat> uh, they, instead of showing a, a, a metallic figure, he showed beasts of certain type. It says, these great beasts, which are four, four kings, which shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the most high shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. This is the final analysis of all of this Gentile series of Gentile powers. We are still in the times of the Gentiles. And God has chosen in the midst of this times of the Gentiles to establish his church, which is the kingdom of God. That's why Romans over in chapter, uh, I think it's uh, 11, where it says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's the it's joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God on earth. So that kingdom of God Jesus talked about, when the Baptist, John the Baptist talked about, was the Lord establishing his kingdom on this earth, praise God, uh, which would be the church as we call it today. And uh, so it would be a spiritual thing, not, uh, not, a, uh, not a, a power with soldiers and and uh, some kind of a dominating type empire on the earth. Uh, but that's the way it would be set up and Jesus would do it that way. Uh, here in the seventh chapter of Daniel, uh, he mentions this again about how that at the end of it all, God's people will be in control. He says in verse 27, this is 727 of Daniel, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom upon the whole earth shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is, that is Jesus Christ. So I'm pointing out to you here that this was all mentioned over here in Daniel, so that when Jesus came and John the Baptist came and said the kingdom of God is at, ha at hand, Jews who studied the word of God knew that he was talking about the kingdom of God. They didn't know how the kingdom would be. They didn't know what it would be like. They didn't know exactly, most of them assumed it would be some dynamic outward a, a kingdom type thing. And uh, a lot of them, that's the, way they, that's the only way they wanted it to be. That was the problem with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus did not come, Jesus did not come like they wanted him to come. He, they wanted their Messiah to come and say, boys, strap, strap on your sword and let's get our armies together and let's fight. And we're going to conquer the world. That's what they wanted to see. But Jesus didn't come that way. And the Lord said, when he comes, you shall listen to him. Listen to his words. Praise the Lord. My instructions will be through his words, not through the, you know, the power and lightning flashing and conquering and all that. But it will be the, the words of the Lord. The Bible said he would not cry in the streets. He would not be a revolution, revolutionist. Jesus would... Uh, just be a, a person who would speak and softly and you had to listen to what he had to say. Amen. Uh, I was in Israel several years ago and uh, I remember being at that Sea of Galilee area where they said Jesus uh, fed 5,000. And uh, we're way up, on the, way up on the hill and uh, it went down right down to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And the guide was telling us he said, if you, uh, if you were to be at the bottom at, by the sea and you were speaking and your voice was going up the hill like that, 
You could actually be heard very easily by just speaking way up here to thousands of people. And uh, somebody says, that's hard to believe. He said, no, no. He told two guys, he said, you two guys go down to the bottom. We'll wait till you get there. You go way on down to the Sea of Galilee and we'll stay up here at the top of this ridge area. And uh, they, uh, they, they claim this is where the, that the Jesus fed the 5,000. And uh, so they went down there and the guy told them, he said, when you get out there, I want you to just talk with your normal voice. Don't shout it, just talk it. And I was standing up there looking. I thought, this is not going to work because this, they're too far away. They went down there and they started talking. You could hear everything they were saying so clearly. It, it amazed me. It just, it just blew me away that they could stand at the bottom down there by the Sea of Galilee and just speak the words, uh, words and it could be heard way up here. And so Jesus would teach around that Sea of Galilee in that fashion. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that when Jesus came, it was by his words they had to listen to. But they, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the, uh, the muscle people of Israel at that time, they wanted it to be different. They wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire, overthrow it physically. And the Lord had to say, no, 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 it's not that way. This is not the way that my kingdom is going to be. Amen. And... Uh, I want you to look for a moment here in Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. Luke 17, 20. And uh, we'll read 20 and 21. And it says here in verse 20, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, it's not going to be something you will see. Jesus told them that. <clears throat> neither shall, uh, neither, and he goes on saying this, neither shall they say, lo, here, or lo, there. We'll take you there, we're there. We'll show you where the kingdom of God is building up and becoming a great power. He said, you won't see it. And then he answers it here in the, in the very end of the 21st verse. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, is within you. And that's why Paul, in writing in the book of Romans, he said, the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. It's within you. The Spirit of God is within you. And this is what Jesus began to teach when he taught about the kingdom of God. And it was difficult for them to understand. Now, the, uh, the 13th chapter, and I'm going to get into this right now. In the 13th chapter, there are seven parables that Jesus gives in his teachings about the kingdom of heaven is like an unto. And he gives seven of them. And uh, there are some that I'm going to spend some time on, like the first one, the second one, and the third, and so forth. But I want you to go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13 for a moment. And I want to refer to just two of these, two of these uh, particular parables that Jesus gave to help us to understand what Jesus was trying to tell them that the kingdom of heaven would be like. How could natural men understand the spiritual things of God? That's why the Lord told Nicodemus, he's, you know, he said, you must be born again. He said, how can I be born again? You know, he said, I can't enter again in my mother's womb, be born again. That's impossible. The Lord said, you must be born of water and spirit. And, and then he went on to tell Nicodemus, he said, if you can't understand something, how can you understand spiritual things? I'm trying to tell you the spiritual side of all of these things. The parables that he gave was taking natural things that they understood 
and trying to explain the spiritual things that were involved in the kingdom of God, which we know today to be the church age, you know? And so Jesus was doing all this and they had to listen and they had to believe what he had to say. They had to, they had to follow him. They had to become disciples of Christ to be able to, uh, to understand what Jesus was telling them. And uh, this is what I'm going to read to you here this morning. I want you to look very carefully here with me. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. I'm watching that clock very closely there. It says, another parable put he forth unto them. Now this is, uh, this is probably the fourth parable here. Uh, third or fourth, maybe the third par- parable. Another parable put he forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now, uh, we we have mustard plants, which is little greens and and so forth, but in the Middle East, they have a tree. It's called a mustard mustard tree, mustard. uh, And the seeds are very small. For a mustard tree, the seeds are very small, and the Lord referred to that. And the tree, the seed is small, but the tree becomes a great tree. Now, let me just say this, folks. Let me say this to you. The kingdom of God is an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing in that all that is needed for it to be what it will become is all within the smallness of that kingdom of God on earth as it is now. That spirit of God in us, and I'm going to talk to you about it because it became a great tree. I have just got through teaching their last class on, Pur- on Purpose Institute yesterday. We had a class here at the, at the church. You know, we have a school going, and this was the last class actually for a four-year period. It ended four years of teaching. And... Uh, I, and uh, in it, we taught about the coming of Pentecost. And in 1900, now listen closely, close, I'm going to do this very quickly. In 1900, there was a, a guy by the name of Charles Parham who bought an bought a old building in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, some students came there to learn about the Bible. And they told him, he said, I want you to read Acts chapter 2 and tell me, is this for us today or not? This outpouring of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Is this something that was, is relegated to the early church only, or is it for us today? And I want you to begin to read that and think about it and begin to pray about it. And so they started doing this. It was in the fall of 1900. And the watch night service of January 31st, 1900, they began to pray and seek the Lord. They prayed way into the middle hours of the morning in January the 1st in 1901. And in the wee hours of the morning, a woman received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began speaking in other tongues and received the Holy Ghost. And three days later, Charles Parham and his wife and 16 other people received, those students, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so he began to preach that, teach that. Notice here how little, insignificant it was. And then the next thing you know, they had a revival and they, they, I mean, they went out from there. They went into Missouri and Kansas and different places uh, around about and began to preach and have revivals. And people began to receive the Holy Ghost. It began to be poured out. It just began to go like crazy. 
But all that was needed was the word, the word being preached, the word being presented, and faith to believe the word. And that's the seed. That's, that's why the Lord said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, he didn't say the size of a mustard seed. He says, if, if you have faith of, the, of, the, of a grain of mustard seed, in other words, all the potentiality is there. It's all right here in the Word. If we, can, if we will hear the Word, if we will believe the Word, it's all right there. Whatever the Lord promised in His Word, it's there for us to have and to receive if we can believe the Word of God and if the Word will be preached. If the Word will be preached. And you'd be surprised how many stoppers there are that tries to stop the mouths of people from teaching and witnessing witnessing this is it's all about witnessing telling now the next parable is a very interesting let me go a little bit further on this revival spread down into houston texas and in houston texas it began to explode and mushroom that was that was one group of people that was i think it was uh uh, 23 of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on a train. They got to praying on a train together, start praying to each other. And 23 people received the Holy Ghost on a train. And, uh, and they're thinking, wonderful testimony. There was a little black guy there. And uh, he was hearing all of this. He was in, in Houston, Texas. And, uh, and his name was Seymour. And he got invited to go out to Los Angeles. Just, uh, you know, ins- insignificant guy, just self, uh, very unassertive, very humble. Went to Los Angeles, preached out there that you can get the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, and they threw him out of the church. That you can't preach in this church like that. So he and another guy, another guy said, I'll finance you. Let's go over here. And they bought a building on Azusa Street, on Azusa Street there in Los Angeles. And they started having church service. And for three years, they had service every day from 10 o'clock in the morning to wee hours of the morning. Every day of the year for three solid years. And people started getting the Holy Ghost. The power of God was being poured out. And people were being baptized and healings began to happen. And people began to come from all over America, up in Canada, to see what was going on. And is this really God? And they'd get, receive the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And it began to spread all over America. Missionaries were coming back from the foreign field. And they were saying, let's see what's going on over there. And Seymour never lost his humility. Never became a big shot. You know, they said he would always just sit behind the the pulpit in his little chair. And he'd be praying for the guy in the pulpit preaching whoever he might be. You know, and I'm just telling you here, God still uses humility. Amen. And that thing spread it spread all over the world. And today, what, there's a, over 100 million people in the world that have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, what I'm trying to show you here is that it grew and now the Pentecostal movement in every dimension is huge in the world today, all over the world. And it's like the tree, the little mustard seed, what, a man in a little Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, what, you know, one, one preacher there in Azusa Street saying, you know, we're going to preach the gospel here. We're going to pray and believe God and everything. And I'm just telling you here that there is tremendous power and glory and goodness and promises of God in the word of God. And if we can say, you know, always say to the pulpit, congregation, always say to the pulpit, preach the word. 
preach the word. You know, remember Nathan went to, went to David one time when David had sinned. And he went to David one time and, and he said, uh, he gave him a parable. And, uh, and David said, why, that man's a terrible man that did what you're telling me about. And he said, he's going to die. And old Nathan looked at David and said, thou art the man. He gave him the same, he gave him the story so he'd understand and see himself. You think David had Nathan killed? No, he didn't do that because he was king. No, he didn't do that. He said, no, no, Nathan, you always tell me the truth. You preach the word to me. And thank God for a pulpit where the word will be preached and we can hear the word of God. Hallelujah. I know churches, that's the truth. And thank thank God for our pastor that pretty well does that too. Amen. God bless him. Amen. But uh, I know I know of churches right here and even this city that if you spoke in tongues in the church, they'd have you ushered right out the door. Amen. I uh, I don't know how many of you know Brother Jeff Arnold, uh, who is pastor in or in in, in uh, Gainesville, Florida, and has preached conferences and count meetings all over the nation. But he and his wife got hungry for God down in Miami, went down in Hollywood. And they went to a, no, it was in Miami, I think North Miami. They went to a big denominational church down there. And they sat in the, they were right on the front. They came there and he, and he says, what do I have to do? He's an old alcoholic, Jeff Arnold. He'll tell you, he said, I crawled out of a Jack Daniels bottle. That's what he always said. He, and, and he was an alcoholic. And, and he said, I they sat on the front row and he said to his wife, I want to go someplace where I can be saved. She said, well, let's go to church. That's the place you'd find God. So she took him to church. She had been to a Sunday school some and when she was a kid and everything. The preacher preached a powerful message and they came down to the altar and started praying and the ushers came and picked him up and ushered him right out the door and got him outside. He said, no, 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 don't make a scene here. We don't want everything. And they, they got outside and outside Right out of the church, don't come in here, don't come down to the altar and start praying and make a commotion and make confusion and everything. Everybody wondered what was going on. So they ushered them outside. So he turned to his wife, do you know any other church that we could go to? She said, yeah, I know of a Pentecostal church that we can go to. And they went there and, they re- and he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the rest, of course, is history. He's a fabulous preacher. Amen. I'm just trying to tell you here today, folks, that God wants to do this. And we have to give the pulpit the, the liberty to preach the word of God and to declare the word of God, hallelujah, and God will do that. So uh, here is an example here of this tree. So little and yet it grew because of the word of God and people who believe the word of God and before that those who were daring to preach the word of God without fear of favor, amen. Now there's another parable here. I'm gonna give me about five more minutes and I'll finish up here. But look at uh, the 33rd verse here in Matthew 13. Matthew uh, 13, 33. Another parable spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto leaven, which a woman took and had three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. He said, now the kingdom of heaven is like that. In other words, she took leaven and put it into flour or into the dough. Uh, I'm not a baker or a cook or anything like that, but I think that's something to do with uh, baking soda, baking powders, some, you know, yeast, whatever it is that you put in, so make it rise. Am I right, ladies? Am I, am I, just shake your head like that if I am. Okay. And then they put it in the dough. Well, she put it in this dough and the dough rose. It affected everything about that dough. And it was unseen. 
You get the picture? You don't see it. It's not like the other parable where it was a, became a great tree. <clears throat> it was unseen. It's the unseen part of the work of God. It is the witnessing factor. It is somebody telling somebody on the job, you know, I want to tell you how to be happy. I want to tell you how to get peace in your soul. I want to tell you how to be able to lay down at night and go to sleep. I want to tell you how to be happier than you've ever been in your life. And the other person says, I'm all ears. I want to hear it. I'm, you know, and folks, listen, on your job place, there are a lot of people that's very miserable, very unhappy. They don't go around just talking about it. But if they could really open their hearts to you, they would tell you, I need something. I need a change. I need something to change my life. And so many people have given their testimony about how somebody bore witness to them and how it turned them all around. And the, the power of witnessing is unbelievable if we will witness. Trouble with us is that we're too quiet about it. We don't think nobody else really is interested. We don't think nobody else cares. You know, we don't think anybody else, or we don't, maybe don't have time to do it. You know, do it in half. Give it a try. You'll be amazed at how many people right now, especially, are looking for some answers to situations in life so that they might say, you know, how, how can I find God? How can I have peace? How can I have that joy? And all of those kind of things because God wants to give it to them. The power of witnessing. And that's what this leavened parable is all about. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is likened unto this. <clears throat> Your pastor's told you this story. As you know, uh, he's been to Madagascar uh, on several occasions. Madagascar has a tremendous work of God there. Hundreds of thousands of Pentecostals there, apostolic Pentecostals, uh, led by the missionary uh, Richardson. Uh, the grandfather was first, then there was the son, and then now the grandson is, is heading up that missionary work in Madagascar. And they continue to grow leaps and bounds, people getting saved and so forth. Great revivals, much, many healings, blinded eyes being opened, lame people walking, all kinds of miracles happen there in these great revivals that they're having in Madagascar. That's not the only place in the world that we're having those as well. But uh, the story behind that is that the grandfather, Richardson, uh, <clears throat> he was working in a job in Cincinnati, Ohio, in a car shop, in some car factory. And uh, he was very unhappy. Nobody knew it. He never told anybody. And one day, a guy who had been to church and was somebody's preached and said, you know, we need to be a witness. He said, you know, I'm very shy. I hate to witness anybody, but I'm going to try it. And he went to work and he said, I'm going to try it on that guy right there. So he started talking to him about the Lord. And Richardson began to listen to what he had to say, you know. And he began to say, you know, the Lord is this and the Lord is that. This one guy witnessed and everything. And uh, Richardson finally went to church and he got baptized and he got filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and became, you know, a prominent member of the church. Not for very long because he got a call to go in the missionary field. And he went on the missionary field, went to Madagascar, and they built a tremendous work over there. That one guy, as a witness in that car factory in Cincinnati, Ohio, bore witness to a guy who is, you know, who has been the overseer of a great work and, uh, there in, in, in Madagascar. I'm just trying to tell you here the power of witnessing. That's why Jesus said in the word of God, you shall be a witness of me 
in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world. So while the kingdom of God is growing outwardly and you see it, and people are getting saved, the leaven factor, the part you don't see, is where we're witnessing to other people. That's the power of the kingdom of God going on. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this. And all of those Pharisees and Sadducees were scratching their head. They couldn't figure all that out. Only people who were hungry for God and was trying to understand what is the kingdom of God. And folks, let me just say this. Empires have risen and fallen. And power, nations have risen and fallen. And kings have come and gone. But the church keeps right on going. Hallelujah. And it'll keep right on going till Jesus comes. And one day it will be the greatest thing on the face of the earth because Jesus will come back and he will establish it so. And I'm just telling you here today, when the Lord started keep preaching about the kingdom of heaven, he was trying to tell them a little bit of what you and I understand a lot more of today because we are now seeing the fruits of all those things in these last days. Would you stand with me and let's just lift our hands and praise the Lord. Let's just worship him together. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. You're so good to your people. We thank you, Lord, for these who are here this morning. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Jesus, because your ways are so right and pure and perfect. We ask you to bless every soul here, Lord. Send us your blessings and your goodness this morning in this morning service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.